0: So uh, the funny story is I actually paid baby Jesus twice um at a little type okay. in the church that my parents raised me in. Um and I really I left really believing that when I was about seventeen. Seventeen.
1: So seventeen
0: years. Seventeen years, which okay. has been the longest in that tradition. Um and like I said, like there's still the way you were raised, that's still always gonna be part of the there's some things where I'll talk to my wife and I'm like that really sounded evangelical or really kind of causal. I'm not saying that that's bad but those things have influenced me to where I'm at today a lot of it you know and sometimes I catch myself I'm like how can people believe that how can people go that way and believe like with all certainty but then people can look back at me and say how can you not believe it so you know
1: Got another question? Uh, what do you think of the book of Revelation?
0: What do I think about the book of Revelation? Yeah. Well, I believe the book of Revelation was an individual's dream that he wrote down, not thinking that it was going to be taken as truth, not going to be thinking that okay, for thousands of years people are going to believe this, like, this is how the world. Because um, it was John of Patmos they attributed to, and Patmos, we know, was actually where they sent Roman prisoners. It was like a prisoner
1: colony. Wait, would you say John Patmos? John
0: Patmos.
1: This isn't the John. The other the John. No, there's
0: like four Johns in the New Testament, Here's, and okay. they never they never differentiate. Patmos,
1: P A T M O S. Yeah.
0: yeah. And from this is how I was taught, and so to me, and my understanding is. And I think John Patmos was exiled there like two or three times. So he got exiled, he came back, and started. And, and like the way the Romans treated Christians, and the Christians were terrible at some of the stuff that they did. We saw what, we know what Nero did to Christians, where they make them like human uh, torches, pretty much. So there was a lot of back and forth. So I think more of what Revelation is, is a metaphor for how, he was, how Rome was so evil, how, what Rome did to these really Christians. And I think it was just his his story. And his... Because all Revelation needs is an unveiling. Like, something is unveiled to you. So I think it was this unveiling that he had. So I think there's a, certain things that we can learn from it, but to say, this is how the end of the world is going to happen, I think is something that... Modern Christians have just said, "Oh, we're going to go with this, and yeah, now this is how the world's going to end."
1: So, like a, a Roman revenge myth, kind of. Yeah, in some ways. It's to get back at the Romans. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The
0: myth, uh, myth and revenge has been something that if you look at literature. It's been all over literature throughout, and because the scripture was written in like poeticness, yeah. Um, relation and other books are apocalyptic and how they're written. You know, wisdom literature like Ecclesiastes, Job, Psalms. So they're all written in forms of literature that people write today still. I just am like, how is that factual or true? I
1: don't know. One last question for me, anyways. What do you think of Christian socialism? I don't have an issue with it. I think I always joke with people. I don't think
0: Jesus would be have a political mantra or political title, but if you look and you read what Jesus said and how he acted, I believe he was very socialistic in his understanding. He flipped society, you know, women really didn't have a voice and who were some of his best friends and leaders, women. You know, he went to the prostitute, went to a tax collector, which in the Bible times were the two the lowliest job that you could have, taking money for Rome and being a prostitute, and he was like, You're gonna follow me. You're you know, I love you, I care about you. Super countercultural. He said that there is no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no male, there's no female. Like he was breaking down societal things. And I even said to my mom, who's still very Pentecostal, kind of I was like, if Jesus was here walking, just hypothetical. Political ideology would he what we as Americans put on him she was like oh being a socialist so that was even from her so even certain conservative people know that he's more socialistic and I, I, I'm fine with that I think it's just a title but I you know I am not going to say I'm a Christian socialist but there's so many you know some like, oh you're a socialist ooh
1: but I think if we look at the teachings of Jesus, he was very more socialistic uh, in nature than he had I just have a few thoughts. Very inarticulate on this stuff. Interesting talk. I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, life is chaotic in the natural world, and, and humans and other animals do like order. They like order. They they want predictability, they want comfort. They want to know they're going to be around for a couple more minutes if not for a couple more years or centuries. Um, And looking at the literal interpretation of the Bible, uh, a lot of people do that because I think it does add comfort and stability to our world. And I also think that these stories weren't just spun out of one guy or one woman at some point in history. There were the result of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years of sitting around campfires, living on the savannah, and talking about what happened that day or that week. Um, and the better stories, um, probably even Jonah the whale and the feeding of the 5,000 Uh, probably had an origin in something real that happened a long, long time ago that predated Judaism Zoroasterism and all that and and I think these stories have come down to us because they worked for us not on a literal basis but hey, this provides comfort it provides a lesson for survival in an uncomfortable, ever-changing and threatening world Uh, and I the life of me, I wish just more people would understand that because that, that's where the oneness in humanity comes from. Not from a set of rigid circumstances that some uh, scholars in the Middle Ages wrote down.
0: Right. I agree. I, I think you said perfectly accurate. It just like one person is down from like, that point on, I think it's it originated like you said, because uh, all those really tradition our all people were it's oral tradition. They didn't a lot of them didn't even know how to read write. And they just spoke it and it kinda kept like kinda like how like my great grandfather said something, my grandfather, he said it to my father, said it to me. going through generations and stuff like that. So I think that was a story that's happened in my stories like Joe or Jonah it originated somewhere and i think it was important to take that out and and, and say Where, what did this mean to us so i think you're right Yeah, i was just talking with my wife over we the other day um like people say that like, genesis and, like the flood story people are like i don't know if i can really believe that well guess what like christianity's version of the flood is not the first. If you look at a lot of ancient like the Babylonians who were around way before Christianity, they have their Epic of Gilgamesh, which is their flood story. Other you go to China, you go to other parts of the world, they have some sort of flood narrative that happened. So to me that makes it more possible that it could happen. Obviously we didn't they didn't know how big the world was, they just understood their geographical region. So I did and maybe it wasn't like everything was flooded beyond comprehension, but Maybe they got way more rain and stuff flooded for a while.
1: Well, you know, they're probably thinking about this kind of stuff in Mexico Beach, Florida. Yeah, exactly. And that could
0: that, that. And if you put what happened now with this Hurricane Michael and in Florida, and put it back thousands of years ago, they could have had some great, epic floods that decimated the world. Maybe it was just geographically but so those stories are important. Um, but to say, like, what I say to my family is, we're not the only people, like, our faith that have certain stories like this. A lot of, them, a lot of religions actually share stories, like, yeah. and 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 that's fine. A lot of religions have a lot of things in common. A lot of, a lot of religions don't have things in common, but there's a lot of tying to together. Um, so,
1: yeah. just a, another thought too. I I think. The more endangered a group of people or a society feel they are, the more rigid their beliefs become. look uh, you know, at all my Jewish friends, they're very conservative Jewish. But everything's important, everything. You know, you know, Pentecostals too. They've all been groups that, one time or another, have been persecuted heavily, and not but, uh, almost lost. They, they they have kept that stuff so. I think it's just an ongoing process between becoming more open and seeing and the feeling that you have to be rigid if you do this. Also involved in that, I think, is a corruption of who we are to you know, People are keeping the secret word of God. or the, I think it's a power trick. It's a way of controlling people. We don't have the wealth of the name of the king. We have the wealth of God in these festivals. And you can't get here unless you work for the name. So I think I think that's a what corruption of so, the how humans you are. I do too. Hi, I have a family member, maybe I'm a little bit more vocal on Facebook than I should be
0: in. exactly said it stirred my head was they're holding on to this truth as an absolute and they're saying i have to believe in this and if you like i'm in the in because i understand scripture this way jesus this way and yeah, like what you were saying and i agree too is we're afraid of being open we're just afraid of having that openness to what we believe in you know, and to others i mean sometimes i Conservative, we are called minded and rigid. And sometimes it's just straight tough to have a conversation with them, let alone sure. love them. Love them. <laughs> but, I mean, that's reality. But uh, I think a lot of people are just scared. Like my mom said, Brown, you're probably right in most of your views. Like you're educated, you're smart, doesn't mean I'm right all the time. I'm not. But she's like, I'm not ready to be there for you. Like she. Walks over but she's like I can't go there because I have to have some sort of not, she wouldn't use the word bitch in it, but I have to have some sort of like structure structure of, of how to day in and day and live my life and I'm not going to fault someone for that but I do think there's that part of me to step back and say Let, let's throw away the stuff that doesn't need to be there and focus on the things that we need to focus on which is loving everyone caring about others about what Jesus spoke on. You didn't hear you it completely. Did I die and rise
2: again? And all this people believe in this flood here in Joe and Jonah. It's more of these stories, and people are just afraid to have that openness. Sure uh, I really liked your take on um, the kind of finding the moral of the story, I guess, quote-unquote, in... You know, in Jonah and uh, Job and the 5,000 because I mean, and, and as you well know, we've had this conversation plenty of times. I think it's you know more about the uh, the application and what you can kind of glean from it than having like a, a history book, a historical textbook. And uh, I think it's interesting what you were saying too about um, like having a secret knowledge, you know, or a secret truth, because that's you know, the definition of of Gnosticism, and there's Christian Gnosticism, which is, like, there's this secret knowledge, this big secret. And um, so I think that kind of even maybe better defines the way that you're using the term agnostic because it's, like, saying, no, there's not some secret knowledge. There's not this, like, defined absolute thing. And even the term faith, like, you can't have faith in something that you can feel and touch, you know? Like, that's... Faith has... Uh, in its essence in its nature, it has an element of not knowing for sure like you can't have faith in something that you're hundred percent sure is there you know like I don't necessarily have faith in the bench I'm sitting on because I don't need to have faith in it.' it's, it's here I, I, if I bump into it, if I knock my head on it, you know if I sit on it it's it's tangible whereas yeah you know things that are unseen and, and undefined I think, require an element of faith to interact with even so. That's true. And if we have anything
0: before we wrap up my little change actually back there with my
2: daughter.
0: I think she's ready to go home. Watch that football game. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for coming. Thank you. Come out again.
2: I'm Caleb by the way. I'm Jeff. Jeff, good to meet you. Cool. Caleb. Caleb. Yeah. Very religious. Yeah. Right. Greg. Greg's
1: in the butt. <laughs> Brian. Hi, Brian. Thank you. We did
2: come in the snow. Yeah. Thank yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. Raped it. Yeah. I was not expecting to see it. They cut a big cut of white. Yeah, you know, true. out in the yard. Oh, you dropped yeah. a glove there. Oh, Enjoy the day. Yeah, you
1: guys do
0: this you know. A post Christian production.